My first rifle was a 243. Papa gave daddy and daddy gave to me. And they tell me how to shoot with a steady hand. And here we are back with another episode of All American Wing Shooting Podcast, Mr. Stephen Murray. I don't know if there is a single person that has connected more wing shooters than you. That's so sweet of you to say. Good afternoon, America. Hi. It's Hi. so good to see you. It's a pleasure. It's my pleasure. So, um, I don't even know where to start. You have such an amazing history uh, just within the gun industry from the house you grew up in to the journey that you've had. Um, I'm just so excited for you to share with um, the listeners that hasn't traveled with us in our circle for the the few trips that we've been able to have together before COVID hit. Um, So yeah, I just wanted to give you a time to tell your story. I think it's so special and so inspiring for wing shooters all over the world. Oh, Anna, thank you very much indeed. Um, I'm delighted to be here. Obviously, this is just, you know, like a, uh, a catch up that was way overdue because of COVID. Um, where did it all start? I, I had the uh, great good fortune to have some grandparents that uh, actually lived on Wimbledon Common. And the United States doesn't need any introduction to the NRA at all, uh, except that the NRA as uh, it was formed, started in the United Kingdom. Um, The government at the time, back in uh, sort of 1858, they were still worried that France might invade. And, you know, England and France have always been at loggerheads. And the government of the day, they said, you know, we are not prepared. Um, We need to have uh, a body of men that would be able to go out into the field and go down to the shores and, and defend our country. Um, And it was more or less agreed that everybody that could shoot should um, practice shooting. Um, And in fact, Queen Victoria, um, through her government, put up a prize of £250. And that was called the Queen's Prize. Um, Absolutely extraordinary. Um, So in due course, they they thought they spoke about it and they decided, yep, Wimbledon Common, because it's it's on a plateau, it's... um, quite open, Uh, it's easily accessible. Uh, There was good transport links, even back in the early Victorian days. And of course, on Monday, the 2nd of July, 1860, Queen Victoria herself fired the inaugural shot. And that was the start of the NRA competition, the the UK's National Rifle Association competition. And uh, it was a tremendous success. The whole thing lasted three days. Um, But within about five years, um, we had some really nice people from the United States come over and they started shooting. But the only thing is they kept winning everything. And we've actually got a a trophy. Um, We had a trophy, I should really say. We had this trophy. It's called the Wimbledon Cup. Uh, And that today is shot for. uh, It used to be Camp Perry. I think they've moved it. But um, the Wimbledon Cup is still the cup to shoot for in the United States. And it started right here. Um, Where am I at the moment? I'm about a mile and a half away from uh, where it started. 
and uh, there's photographs that you can see on uh, on the internet if you google um, the national rifle association wimbledon common you'll see a picture of my old house my grandparents old house and that was my regular front door that was the door i went in and out of for so many years and i didn't have a clue that it was anything to do with the nra um wimbledon common is a vast expanse and uh, it was rangered and keepered um mounted rangers and footkeepers would uh, patrol the commons uh, as they still do today except there was one guy who was very friendly with my grandparents. His name was Jim Spillman, and he took me squirrel shooting because we had a problem um, back in the late 1950s, early 60s. There were a lot of uh, grey squirrels invading the territory of our native red squirrels. And so we used to go shooting squirrels uh, very early in the morning. And that's really where I started shooting. I was How old were you? Oh, I was about Tater's age at that time. Um, no way yeah uh it was i had my own pony i had my own pony and track uh it was like the kid in the country who, <laughs> who lived in the city i was very very lucky um and so i kind of grew up with shooting um while i was at school i continued the interest in shooting i joined the local boys club that had a, a 2-2 rifle club attached to it um spent a couple of years there i'm very pleased to say i became captain of the uh the A-team, and as a sort of 15, 16-year-old boy, we used to go around and shooting with the army, and we used to do very well at it. And, you know, the careers guy at the high school, he said, you know, what are you going to do? And I said, you know, I really don't know. I'd like to be a TV engineer, because that's the big thing, TV technology and all that sort of thing. And he said, well, you know, you're good with your hands. You could do a lot of things. And I thought, actually, I'd really like to be a gun maker. Um, I came home from high school one day, uh, and my mother said, I've got you an interview with a company called James Purdy. Have you ever heard of them? And I said, James Purdy and son, the best gun maker in the world. Hell yeah, I've heard of them. All right. And she said, I've got you an interview. Uh, and that was just before Christmas. Um, you were like and, 17. Uh, yeah, actually, no, I was just just turned 16. I was no just way. 16. Yeah. Um, and I uh, I got the interview. And uh, a guy called Mr. Chris Gadsby interviewed me. And, uh, you know, he said, you know, can you tell me a bit about guns? What do you know? Uh, and there were a rack of guns. And I'd never been that close. to, I'd never actually seen a Purdy, to be perfectly honest, in, in real life. And there were a rack of Purdy guns. And he said to me, can you pick out a 16 gauge gun? And I kind of looked at the 12s and I thought, well, that's a smaller barrel. So that's got to be a 16. And I grabbed the gun. Uh, I opened the gun and I passed it to him. He said, why did you open the gun? I said, well, sir, I've always been taught that every gun is loaded until you prove it is not loaded. And that's just what I've been taught. I'm sorry if I've done something. And he said, no, you're, you're absolutely right. That's what we do. And uh, he said, safety comes first. Um, and I started getting excited thinking this is going okay. And I was getting out all my exam results, you know, doing this and IT and uh, engineering. And, and he said, lad, I don't want to know anything about that. He said, we're going to teach you everything you need to know. Uh, and so 23rd of January, 1970, as I sometimes joke when people in the United States say, when did you join Purdy? I say 23rd of January, 1970. And then I had, I was the youngest apprentice at the time. I was only four. 
And one lady went, wow, gee. And I thought, oh, dear, it's just gone whoosh. You know, the joke was backfired. <laughs> but, um, yeah, that was it. I uh, I started. Um, I've got to say here and now, I'm, I'm not a qualified gun maker. Uh, I started as an action filer. Um, my gaffer, who was uh, the guy that sort of taught you the, the trade, um, he... Uh, he persevered with me. I didn't complete the apprenticeship because I started getting the things, you know, factory life. Is it really for me? You know, I was getting up in the dark, going to work. It was daylight when I got there. I was coming home in the dark. And I'm thinking, Do you know, there's got to be more to it than this. Um, I did various other things. Actually, I ran my own business for 22 years um, and I started importing uh, high quality side by sides from Spain and finished them uh, in the in the London trade. Uh, that was exceptionally uh, well received. Um, but in uh, 2003, uh, I met the then chairman Nigel Beaumont at uh, West London Shooting School, where Purdy have or had to that date all of their uh, gun fittings organised. And I said, you know what, Nigel. Um, I'm, I'm working for a Spanish company. I'm flying backwards and forwards to Spain every week. I really don't like flying. Um, you know what? I'd like to come back to Birdie. And he said, Stephen, you've been gone for a long time. I don't think we can do anything. Leave it with me. And I thought, <laughs> that's, that's going to be the end of it. That's, you know, that's like time out. That's game over. And uh, about three weeks later, I got a phone call and uh, he said, Stephen, it's Nigel. I said, hi, Nigel, how are you doing? Yeah, good. He said, can you come and see me? Um, you know where the factory is. And I said, yes, of course. And so I jumped on the train and went up and saw Nigel. I walked in the door and he said, do you want a tea or coffee? I said, tea's fine. Yeah, no problem. He said, come this way. I'll show you where your office is. Wow. And that was the interview. And I sat down and I'm thinking, this is actually going quite well. And uh, he said, um, we need an entry level over an undergun. Uh, Clay Pigeon is becoming very big. Um, we're not just a game gun company anymore. And I want you to come on board to uh, head up the research and the development of a new entry level crossover gun. One that is suited both for Clay Pigeon shooting and for game shooting. And I'm pinching myself. I'm thinking this is a dream come true. Oh, yeah. And he said, when you've done that, he said, the next project is going to be what they call a light rifle, an over and under rifle for bore shooting. Uh, and I'm thinking, this is it. All my Christmases have come at once. Um, I started. Uh, I looked after the uh, development. Um, you know, it, everybody said, Steve, you've produced a fantastic gun, the Sporter. I didn't produce it. The, the guys at Purdy's produced that gun. Um, when you've got at that time, I, I think I added it up. It's about a 260 years of joint collaborative experience with these guys. And they all helped uh, and guided me and everything else. And so all I had to do was just listen, write down what everybody was telling me, and then find somebody to make it. Um, one of the uh, things that you'd have to understand uh, when you're producing a gun, um, it's very, very time consuming. Um, Purdy's, as everybody knows, a handmade gun. Um, they they don't compromise, and so to keep the quality, uh, but um, look at the price uh, element, we had to go a little bit further afield. And I started looking around the UK, and of course there isn't anybody. So we found this little boutique dealer um, gun maker 
in, uh, in Brescia, uh, Perugini Vizzini. Um, the, uh, the then uh, CEO of Purdy came out. Um, the machine shop manager came out. Head of finishing in the UK, Bob Nichols came out. Nigel Beaumont, the chairman, came out. We, we sort of had this delegation go out to Perugini Vizzini and they were in this, um, I've got to say antiquated, but very traditional gun-making factory uh, in a place called Nuvalera uh, near Brescia. Uh, and I'm thinking, oh, this may not be high-tech enough. But we had, um, through the uh, great um, investment and, and, and benefit of the uh, Richemont parentage, um, a fantastic machine shop. You know, we had the very latest. So we were able to uh, engage the London side of business, um, the production side, uh, and produce uh, fantastic quality components alongside all of the traditional uh, Purdy Best guns, but get it to a certain stage where we could then ship it out to Perugini Vizzini. Um, they would do a bit of sub-assembly work. Uh, the guns would come back in what we call in the white. Um, they were finished over here in the UK. And uh, that was it. That, that's, that's how it started. And I was looking after a bit of servicing, a bit of repair work and going out doing field events to kind of promote the gun. And, uh, and then somebody said to me one day, you know, Stephen, the big market is in the United States. So in 2015, I started going out to, uh, uh, to the United States. I think we met in, I think, 2016. 17. It was. It, I, maybe it was. It was that fall. Yeah, I think we met at Kevin Kelly's, didn't we, Danny? We did at their first game fair. That's right. That's right. Um, and that was hilarious because, and I told you this story. But I'd only been shooting for six months because my first shotgun lesson was April of that right. spring. Yeah, yeah. And um, I don't well, know. Are you sure it wasn't the November. seven? Are you sure we didn't meet in seventeen? We may have met. Thinking 17. about it now, it's seventeen. I, I it was seventeen. To, yeah, I, I think I did um, Bray's Island in in two thousand fifteen, uh, and then I did a few other yeah. events, and and then I was kind of ping ponging backwards and forwards about every. Um, I think four or five times a year I was uh, ending up going there uh, up until COVID. But, yeah, um, so 17 in November, we met at the game fair in, yeah, in Thomasville. That's and right. I was so excited because for a year I'd taken lessons from my coach, you know, like five days a week or so. And he wouldn't tell me a whole lot. Like, I would go and I would get bits and pieces and then I would conquer it. But I loved the just discussing like technique and just geeking up about the history. And he kept telling me, oh, it's the British method. It's the British. Method. I'm like, that didn't even exist. This is not Churchill, you know, <laughs> on and on and on. And so when I met you and Larry down there, I was like, yes, I can finally talk technique and geek out about this. And I'll never forget y'all looking at me like, you had no idea what I was talking about. Just like deer in headlights. You have no idea what you're talking about. And I'm like, yeah, what about this and this? And I realized like he had kind of created his own methods and was teaching them to me because I didn't know anything sure. and never thought that I would actually shoot with the Brits and have this conversation to be able to call him out. And it's one of yeah. my favorite stories because it launched getting to work with you guys, which I yeah. never would have dreamt that I would get to travel with Purdy. Yeah. And 
the things that I learned from you guys and just the fun times we've had. So yeah, it's just, <laughs> I totally got duped because I didn't know any different. <laughs> sure. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I'll tell you what, Anna, I've got to remind you of this and I'm not being unkind, but I'm glad you've got a gun now that's left-handed because you can't instruct if you oh, right do, I do have a gun that's left-handed. Yeah. yeah. Thank goodness. Thank goodness. Because gun fit, <laughs> you know, we I've got an expression. If the gun don't fit, it ain't fit for purpose. And so you've got to you've got to have a gun that fits. That that's first and foremost. Um, especially when you're spending big bucks on a gun. It, it's got to be right. It's got to come I up. I know. You guys polished this little redneck girl from Georgia. <laughs> yeah. No, it was fun. It was fun. I, I'm just thinking about that. And I do remember shooting over the lake at night. We went somewhere and you had that um, CZ gun that you, you had at the time. Oh, that side by side. Yeah, and I wanted to steal <laughs> it off you. That was just the most amazing gun. I've never been a That was at man. Southland Plantation. That's right. Yeah. 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 We yeah. just took over that event. It was supposed to have been a fundraiser, but I, I don't know what happened to it. So we just had a good time there. Yeah. 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 No, we, we've, we've always ended up doing great events. I mean, the, the, you know, Selwood, when we went to see the guys at Caliber and then we went over mm -hmm. to um, um, uh, Madison in Mississippi and we stopped up at Jackson at uh, Providence Hill Farm and, you know, all of those places, you know, I'm very, very lucky. Do you know what? One of the, things that I always remember um I always joke because I'm I'm short and fat and you know gray haired I always say to people it's because I'm tall slim raven haired and good looking that <laughs> people like to talk to me or it's because I know a bit about purdy guns and London guns and shooting in general and we we always start by sort of breaking the ice um and and that's how I introduce myself as a you know somebody who knows a little about a little bit about uh, a few things but the American appetite for uh, shooting and, and particularly best on the guns, it just knows no bounds. You know, I've done the uh, Cyber Side show. Um, I've done the vintages. I've got to be careful how I say that. It's not Maryland. It's Maryland, isn't it? You Maryland, say Maryland. Yeah. <laughs> not Maryland. Everybody's going, Maryland. Where is this Maryland you're talking about? I'm Maryland. <laughs> um, the vintages. Um, I, I met people like Kirby Hoyt, who deals with. Uh, classic guns he's up in uh, Washington um, he's just a, a mind of information and I mentioned um, Braze Island you know everywhere I go the um, the enthusiasm for, for for best London guns it just knows no bounds I'm, I'm so very lucky and do you know what I, I've met so many people in the United States that I'm still friendly with I, I still kind of you know we Facebook and we email and we we phone now and again. Um, well, so I can tell you that the United States misses you a ton. At every event, people talk about you and Larry, and it's just not complete unless you guys are there. Yeah, yeah. Well, do you remember Grace Studevant, the girl, girl that does the uh, hearing protection? Yeah, we're working together. So she just um, fitted me and sent me a set of ears. So, um, I used those last week. I shot the CSF uh, tournament in DC. Yeah. And I can tell you, because I was shooting ESPs before that I had made years ago. So I'm sure that technology is out of date already. Yeah. But having her pair me with my need yeah. made a huge difference. The fit was different. The clarity was different. I was like blown away. So we're actually going to do a podcast to talk all about it because 
um, well, I met her through you guys when we were at Providence in Mississippi yeah, yeah, and we right. just hit it off. So we've stayed really great friends. Yeah. Um, yeah. So what she's doing is amazing. And I hope that more hunters um, open themselves up to hearing protection because it's really not anything that people use in the upland world. Um, it's mostly just, you know, on the clay side. Yeah, I mean, you know, as you can probably imagine, I've been shooting for the thick end of 50 years and I do get this little bit of tinnitus, you know, kind of ringing in the ear. Um, and it's because when I was younger, I, I thought, you know, I don't need hear, hearing protection. I don't need, you know, headphones. But you do, you know, you need um, in, the, in the UK, a lot of the clay grounds you go to and it, it says very clearly um, eyes, ears hat and if you haven't got eye protection uh ear protection and a, a good peak cat because of the falling clay is like a piece of razor yeah. um, and you've got to you've got to have that you've got to be you know as i always say safe shooting is good shooting and that works both ways it's it's not about um accidents it's about looking after yourself as well so uh yeah uh it's I, I can't wait to get back out there i mean i've, I've got to get back out there um, yes, I was you talking do. to one of my uh now friends and customer he said um i heard you retired from purdy and i said yeah that's right yeah you know i uh, um i came to the end of the line and you know looking for the next chapter and uh i'm still very friendly with purdy in fact i, I sold the last purdy gun about six months ago um and i've been retired two years <laughs> Again, it's, you know, people that remember me and they kind of phone me up and say, you know, I'm looking for this. Can you help me out with that? So I don't actually work for Purdy anymore, but. Um, if, you will if, be uh, forever attached to them. Yeah, because... I think that's it. You know, I, I grew up in a time when a, a guy called Richard Blackett Beaumont was, um, he was uh, the last private owner uh, of the company. Uh, and he taught, taught you things that, you know, that, there, you never talk about a customer, you know, and you never name names um, because obviously it's no secret the uh, English Royal family have had Purdy guns going back years. In fact, one of the most exciting things that we used to do was go and clean the Royal gun collection at Sandringham. Uh, that was just amazing, you know. Um, th these little things, you know, you're not allowed to um, uh, talk about other people's guns and everything you do is so confidential and it's it's just a way of life when you're working for you you don't actually work there you're just kind of a caretaker and you're looking after the whole thing uh for the next generation to come along um it, it was an enormous privilege for me to to be there and you know one i, I, I you know absolutely cherish um but this guy you know he said to me he said so you're retiring i said yeah he said what are you going to do i said well, you know, my wife's got a list about this long of everything I need to do in the house. He said, forget that. What are you going to do to enjoy yourself? And I said, I'm not sure. And he said, what do you like doing? Do you like golf? I said, not really. He said, do you like fishing? I said, well, when we're down at the coast, we've got a place down the coast. I like going out in a boat. Um, he said, no, no, no. What, what makes you happy? And I thought about it for a moment. I said, do you remember that 28 gauge we bought your wife? And he said, yeah. I said, do you remember the look on her face when she hit that first clay? He said, I'll never forget it. I said, that's what makes me happy. And he said, there's your answer. That's what you've got to do. You've just got to keep on doing it. Um, and so I thought, yeah, that's easier said than done. 
But well, uh, we've talked about doing a TV series. We've talked about doing numerous things, and I don't see what stands in our way to getting that done. You just need yeah, to. Yeah, we could do. It. I mean, you know, um, again, um, it, it was a, 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 a group of Purdy guys. Um, we call ourselves the X-Men because we're all ex-Purdy. <laughs> and we meet up every couple of weeks and uh, we go shooting. And it was just after the first lockdown in the UK. And somebody said, no, if, you, if you're shooting clays, you've got to have a 32-inch gun. And somebody else said, that's absolutely rubbish. And then somebody else said, well, you can't have a full pistol grip if you're shooting high birds because the gun comes out your shoulder. And all these gems of information, you know, build up from guys that have been shooting for 30, 40, 50 years. Um, all this was coming out at this meeting around the, a, a table at a shooting ground. And so I tore a box of cartridges in half and I wrote on one side game gun and on the other side I wrote clay gun. And mm -hmm. I said, right, you okay, you go. What's, what's the attributes that you want to see in a clay gun? And I wrote those down. Asking around the table, you know, what do, what do we need out of a clay gun? What do we need out of a a good wing shooting gun and I had this list and I said so what are we going to do um and they said well you know we can argue about this all day and I said no we're not going to argue what we're going to do is get one made I said in fact we're going to get two made we're going to get a clay gun made and we're going to get a game gun made and they said we're in the London trade you know even if we've got a gun made it's going to be a hundred thousand pounds so no 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 no. I'll go and see my old friends at Perugini Vizzini in Italy and so two of us, um, we hopped on a plane. Um, I know in, in the United States, when you travel, I never forget, I got on a plane at Atlanta and my boss said, can you, can you just knit to um, a wing and barrel in, in uh, Sonoma in mm. California on your way back? And I said, yeah, sure. And I looked at the flight times and I thought, they got it completely wrong. It's like five hours away. That's crazy. Yeah. But all the time differences and everything else it was. And I'm thinking, I'm, I'm flying halfway home, but you've, you've got um, a, a totally different concept of traveling in the United States by air. I can get to Italy back in the day. You know, it's, it's a two hour flight. Um, so I popped over to Italy. I said to the guys, this is what I want. Can you do it? And they said, yeah, you know. <laughs> um, and, and the strangest thing happened. I, I, I got them to make it. Uh, and I said, when's it going to be ready? And, you know, there was COVID and there was lockdown and there was delays and delays. And I kept changing my mind about engraving. And in the end, um, I got a phone call from them and they said, we've got a guy. He's a, a very big collector. He comes and sees us very often. Um, he's seen your gun in the workshop. He wants to buy it. And I said, well, it's not for sale. <laughs> I haven't seen it yet, you know, for goodness sake, I just want to squeeze the trigger on it, you know. Um, no, it's not for sale. And they said, well, can we build one the same as your specification? I said, yeah, of course you can. Um, and so I actually sold my first gun to a guy I'd never met. And, I, and you've I never even gun. seen the gun. I've never seen the gun. Um, and that's bizarre. Uh what I, I, I named the gun the Wimbledon Park. Now, it's not because I live near Wimbledon Park, but another good um, connection with the United States, a guy came over from um, America and he developed this new form of uh, trap shooting. And it was basically a, a disc as opposed to a glass ball with loads of feathers. And he came to Wimbledon because he'd heard 
Wimbledon, the NRA, that's the place to go shooting. But unfortunately, that all stopped in 1889. He didn't come over until 19, uh, sorry, 1892. Uh, and he wanted to launch this competition to show people what was, in fact, the first clay pigeon shooting. And uh, eventually, they set up the first uh, clay competition in the UK in Wimbledon Park. And uh, that's why I called our gun. I called it the Wimbledon Park. So the, um, the story continues. I'm uh, kind of back in the gun making business. That's incredible. Yeah, yeah. Small, small world, small stories uh, that mean a lot. Um, again, if, you, if you, your viewers, if they want to look at the Inanimate Bird Shooting Association and Wimbledon Park, it tells you all about it. It's absolutely fascinating. And, and Wimbledon Park is half a mile closer than Wimbledon Common. Um, it, I'm just sitting in the start of everything, you know? <laughs> Shooting is Wimbledon. I know. Well, you know, every time that we've spent together has just been amazing um, family time. Like, I yeah. consider you part of our family. You spent Hallie Thank Joe's you. fifth birthday together. We went shooting, and she had her little BB gun. You know, yeah, we've done true. a lot of family things together and so having um just having covid and then purdy did away with the ambassadors right after i was so honored to get to join that team and be the first american to be part of that team then they did away with everything you know and yeah. so it it really was um a dagger to the heart per se because i miss those conversations that we have because there's there's not that circle of people here in the yeah. States in the wing shooting world that carries much history as you do. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I, I will be getting back out there. I've got a, a couple of things that uh, I need to bottom out before I get over, but I think um, my smiling face uh, might be out in, um, out in the Southern States. My favorite part of America is in the Southern States. Um, apart from the snakes, every time I go to Braze Island, I, I see a different kind of snake. And uh, I spoke to Paul Burton out there and I said, you know, every time I come out here, boy, there's snakes everywhere. And uh, he said, yeah, he said, we've got about 32 species out here. You know? <laughs> oh, my gosh. Well, this has been an amazing conversation and so much history. And I think we definitely need to plan a part two. Sure. And um, and get that scheduled. And maybe we'll get some feedback from our listeners that, that there's maybe history lessons that they specifically want to hear about yeah. your travels and the things that you've accomplished. So I just want to thank you so much for taking time out of your busy life and launching a new gun brand in your retirement uh, <laughs> to spend no. time with us and um, on the All American Wing Shooting Podcast. Thank you very much indeed, Annie. You take care and remember safe shooting is good shooting, even if you've got a right-handed gun and you're shooting left-handed. <laughs> hey, I, I got straightened out. Maybe, maybe we can talk a little bit about how to uh, get me a new gun. I'll, I'll showcase your, your new uh, product over here. Yeah, take the Wimbledon Park out. Show them how it's done. <laughs> oh, yes. Okay. Um, it's so good to see you, and we look forward to doing part two soon. Yeah, Anna, God bless. Thank you very much indeed. Love to all the family. You take care. Okay. Bye-bye. See you. Bye. I guess that's something you don't understand.